Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Hey, thank you for tuning in. This is the Grace for the City podcast. I'm your host, Justin. Hey, we're helping you turn your cities upside down. How are we doing that? Well, we're giving you scriptural motivation and strategies so you, my friends, can get out there and get some stuff done for your king, King Jesus, that is. And I'm telling you, there's no better person to work for than for him. Hallelujah. So you know what? He's recruiting you right now. He is a recruiter, but I, I, but you know, I mean, it's for amazing things. Uh, I don't believe in recruiting in terms of just pulling people from different churches to this ministry or that ministry because of the hype and the excitement or whatever. But I'm telling you, Jesus is wanting you to work for him. And uh, several parables, one of them I'm thinking of in Matthew, where different times throughout the day, Jesus is going around, he's looking, and it says that people are standing by idle, and he's inviting them to awake to their purpose. Hallelujah. Um, this is not my podcast today, but let me just share this since I just uh, referenced that idleness in the Bible is not necessarily inactivity. It's purposeless activity. And so Jesus may judge what you're doing is idle. If you're off purpose, if you're not right in the middle of what he's called you to. And that's, that's our, that's our prayer. That's, that's my prayer. In fact, several years ago, I just cried out to to the Lord. I said, God, I just want to be in the middle of, of, of what I'm supposed to be doing not off to the left, not off to the right. Um, because if, if, if you're not centered on what your assignment is, what your calling is, what your destiny is, then you're going to be judged as idle. And I didn't want to be judged as idle. Hallelujah. All right, let's get into this today. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So I want to talk about developing a strong spirit. This is so key. Uh, and the, the more that I kind of check in on this, the more that I look in, at this, the more that I uh, study on this thought here, the more I realize how imperative it is because we are a spirit. That's what the Bible says. We understand that Jesus came and part of what he did is he made the provision for us to be born again, to be born of the spirit. Uh, The Bible says that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You are not a body. You live in a body. Uh, Paul called his physical body a tent. You know, if you take some of the Jewish words, Jewish concepts, it's a Sukkot. Uh, It's a tabernacle. Uh, The Bible calls it a a temple. And uh, it is a, uh, it is a, let me see how to say this here. God designed the physical body as a container, if you will, for your spirit to dwell in, to live in, and to interact with the natural realm. And, uh, you know, before Adam and Eve sinned, they weren't even aware of their nakedness. They weren't even, they, they were not aware of what you and I are extremely aware of. And there's several ways, several phrasings of it. Um, you know, when it says that, you know, they realized they were naked, they realized that they had fallen to a very natural condition. And uh, they weren't even aware of that. They were shrouded, clothed in glory. And... Um, but, you know, that's not the case. It's kind of a hit and miss now. We have moments. We ha- have had experiences. There's been, um, you know, uh, moves of God to where people were less aware of the naturalness. But um, he subjected this in hope. 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. So there will be a return. Um, there will be a latter house, and its glory is going to be tremendously greater than that of the former house. But you and I can learn to live right now not so aware, not so connected, not so grounded or tethered to natural things. And that's what I want to talk about today. But all that is only possible when we develop our spirit man, our inner man, the hidden man, um, and uh, become more acquainted, more in tune, if you will, more um, having our minds stayed on those things rather than the things of the flesh. The Bible says in several places that to be um, to have your mind on natural things, to be so naturally minded is to be at enmity with God, or we could say this, that it's contrary to your spirit man. Your spirit man is grieved, um, if we could say it like that, when all we do is just meditate and ponder on the flesh. There's a phrase for that. It's called the lust of the flesh. And uh, it's a reliance on the flesh. It's a, a hope and expectation of fleshly things. The Bible calls that the lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh isn't just sexual. It can include that. But it, it is like a, um inappropriate uh, meditation, relationship, and fellowship with natural things. And we want to develop our spirit man so that we can get over into Romans uh, 12, 2, not to be conformed to this world natural, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we may prove or allow God's perfect will, that supernatural reality. Hallelujah. Man, I just got excited. That's what I want to talk about today. Again, <clears throat> you are a spirit. You are mostly acquainted with your naturalness. Um, you know, just the things that are associated with the flesh because, well, before you were born again, uh, you were born into that reality. You were born into that nature, limited to that nature, limited to that uh, condition, um, sold into slavery. You got to understand natural living is slavery. It's, it's a bondage. It wasn't designed for you and I, but here we are. And praise God for Jesus, the Redeemer, who came to rescue us out of that and to begin to show us a new way of living. And uh, the he caused us to become new creations um, that have the capacity for spiritual reality, spiritual living, supernatural living. He delivered us out of this prison of naturalness. And uh, you and I have that now. And we can develop in that. We can grow in that. And we can begin, uh, begin to come up into a Christ-mindedness to where we are understanding, we have revelation knowledge, we have a knowing, uh, the eyes of our understanding is being enlightened, and we're knowing that power extended to us, Christ in us, that dunamis on the inside, Holy Ghost on the inside. That kind of living is possible. There's a fullness, okay? We can have some fulfillment of it, and then there's the fulfillment of it, uh, but we can have the uh, filming of it right now. And that's what we want to talk about again. Of course, we have Jesus on the inside. And glory has a definite pathway of restoration. Colossians, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And even a greater glory shall be demonstrated in and through this new creation because I referenced it. The Bible says that the glory of the latter shall be greater than the former. Hallelujah. Something he's doing in these temples is different than the temple 
made with hands on the earth. Galatians 5, 16 and 17. <clears throat> Let's turn there. If you got a Bible, grab it on your phone. I don't know what app you use, several good ones, or grab your Bible. I like using a Bible app, but I'm telling you, there is no replacement for <clears throat> the actual printed Bible. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, here we go. Galatians 5. And let's 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 track with this. See what he's saying here. He says, I say then, walk in the spirit, or we could say according to the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh, referring to your flesh, lusts or it sets its desire or its focused passion or craves <clears throat> excuse me against or contrary to the spirit your spirit let me see here i'm looking at this in the um new king james and uh yeah it's got a capital s there here's something to consider in reference to uh this is that capital s would typically and normally be referring to the holy spirit so it's so it's capitalized but I'm going to su suggest to you that we're not even talking about the Holy Spirit in this context. We're talking about the born-again spirit. We're talking about the hidden man or the inner man. We're talking about the real you. We're talking about your spirit that is living inside of this body or this tent. And there is no comparison between your flesh and Holy Spirit. So that contrast and comparison would be, uh, uh, you know, just wildly um, inconsistent there. It's talking about a comparison between your spirit and your flesh. Paul wrote about this in uh, Romans 7 when he was saying that according to uh, the his inner man, he delights to do right, but he sees a law in his members. What's he talking about? He's talking about the that craving that the flesh has for the only thing that it's ever known, and that's the natural. And so here he's saying that your spirit will uh, crave or desire or want in opposition to your spirit. See, your spirit's the born-again part of you. Your spirit is the renewed part of you. Your spirit is the righteous part of you. Your spirit is the part of you that's one with him. Your flesh isn't one with him. Uh, he's got a totally different body. Um, <clears throat> it's your spirit that is now one with him. And so your spirit has that Zoe life. Uh, out of your spirit is where the mind of Christ is. And in your body, in the natural, in the flesh part of you, it doesn't have that. But it, it knows natural cravings it knows um things of the natural realm that's all it's known it's not born again it's not renewed it's literally the same old part of you that you had before you were born again and so he's saying that if you're not watchful here your flesh will never agree with your spirit they are contrary to one another verse 17 says so that you do not do the things that you wish. Now, if 
you go with the leading of the flesh, you won't do what you want to do according to your born-again spirit, the real you. And this is the battle that most people uh, are living in, and some of them don't even real, realize it. And so they make justifications for these desires, these cravings. They make these justifications like um, they'll, uh, they'll apply a perspective of grace that uh, tolerates these lusts, these desires, these cravings, because they're, they, they, they don't accurately divide the scriptures that says where Paul in particular says, you've got to subdue that. You've got to discipline that. You have to put that under. That has to be crucified. You, you don't make provision for it. You deny it. But if some people think, well, you know, it's, it's just me. It's just me. No, no, no. If you're born again, the law of God is written on the tablets of your heart. By the way, he used the word tablets there in reference to the literal stone tablets. People are saying, we're not under, we're not under the law. We'll try murdering some somebody and see if you're still uh, under a law. But, but it's the flesh that would crave that type of retaliatory vengeance. That's what the Bible said. No, 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 no. You don't agree with that. You, you, grace doesn't cover that. Grace will empower you that according to the law written on your heart, that you would arrest that lust, that you would cast down that kind of um, suggestion you would you, you would grab hold of that. Paul said, buffet that thing through a hardship. Put that thing under and do not let that come out and do not agree with that. If you agree with the lust of your flesh, then you're not going to do uh, according to what's coming out of your born-again spirit. Let me show you this in another place since we're, we kind of went that angle on it. Go to Romans 7. Romans chapter 7. Oh, I'm telling you this, um, and it's just, it, it, it's just a wrong division of Scripture. That's, you know, I, 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 I don't know if I'd call these people malicious. Um, well, I, I mean, there may be false, false prophets, false teachers, but the vast majority of, of, of people that are confused on this are not false teachers. They're not false prophets. They're just wrongly dividing the Scripture. But Paul talks about this, and over in Romans 7, let's see, am, am I in Romans 7? Romans 7, right here. He says, uh, verse 15, For what I am doing I do not understand, for what I will to do that I do not practice, but what I hate that I do. Notice he's talking about the tension here between what's coming out of his born-again spirit and how that is being confronted with the cravings of the flesh. Because you have the same flesh you had before you were born again. And before you were born again, you were led about by the lust of the flesh, the desires of the natural realm, everything that made natural sense. That's, that's what you were, you, your, your whole life was dictated by the natural because your spirit was darkened. Uh, you were dead unto Christ uh, I, I, I mean, you were still a spirit, but you were in bondage. You were encapsulated in such a natural bondage. You did not know righteousness. You weren't, um, you could not perceive or receive the light or the truth because you were darkened. You were 
in slavery, in bondage. You were seduced. So we're talking about somebody, all you've known is the natural, it's lust, it's cravings, it's desires, plus the influences behind the scenes, the dark spiritual influences behind the scenes, highlighting um, and encouraging you to indulge in the things of the natural, the flesh, sin, cravings, lust, passions, um, you know, drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever, just the lust of the flesh, 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 flesh. See, remember, Adam and Eve didn't know they were naked until they sinned. And then suddenly the natural reality and its cravings became their new world. And then the law had to come in place to, to be a restraint to help us not indulge in the lusts of the natural. And until Jesus came to where we were completely born again, so we didn't have to have a natural restraint. Now that restraint was written on the tablets of our spirit. And so from the inward man now, we know. I, I don't crave that because by way of being born again, you've been delivered from the bondage of sin. And so from the inside, you go, I don't want to commit adultery. But Paul's saying here that there is this tension between the natural fleshy, the body part of him <clears throat> that only knew carnality before, but now on the inside, he doesn't even crave or desire it, but his body, the cravings of the flesh, sometimes they arise and they contradict and they say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it feel good to do this? Wouldn't it, you know, be great to do, do, do that. But on, on the inside, you're like, wait, 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 no, 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 uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 no. According to the inward man. All right. This is what he's saying. He says, um, verse 18, Romans 7, 18, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me. Me who? Me, the born-again spirit. It's actually him talking. He's born again. He is a spirit. You are a spirit. And if you're born again, then your spirit is pure, right, just righteous, holy, separate, consecrated, one with the Father. He's saying, uh, I know that in me, that is in my spirit or in my flesh, excuse me, in my flesh, nothing good dwells for to will is present within me, but how to perform what is good. I do not find for the good that I will to do out of the inward man, out of the inward man for the will, for the good that I will to do. I do not do, but the evil I will not to do that. I practice. This is the tension. Galatians five. This is the tension between your spirit and, and your flesh. Now it makes it really difficult, extremely difficult, if you constantly allow your flesh to have a say in whatever you do. If you are in a habit of uh, reading the Bible, say, and then saying, "Well, flesh, what do you think about that? What do you what do you think about that?" Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit tells you to do something. You say, "Hey, flesh, what do you think about that?" Holy Spirit says, give that guy $20. You say, flesh, what do you think about that? Holy Spirit tells you to fast, you know, one meal a day. And you ask your flesh, well, how, what do you think about that? You know, the Holy Spirit tells you to go on a missions trip. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you go, well, flesh, what do you think about that? Or the Holy Spirit says, I want you to forgive that person that did you wrong. You go, well, flesh, what do you think about that? Or the Holy Spirit tells you, I want you to sit down and, uh, uh, read some scriptures 
And I want you to get up early in the morning and read, and read some more. You go, well, flesh, what do you think about that? What do you think your flesh is going to think about that? First Corinthians tells us that the flesh, the natural part of you, has no mind or mental faculties to comprehend spiritual things. It will never agree with what you um, uh, are getting from your spirit. Your flesh will never agree with your spirit. The Bible says it is contrary. All right, Paul goes on here. He says, I find a law then, verse 21, that evil is present with me, the one that wills to do good. You see what he's talking about here? He's talking about his flesh. Um, because the flesh is not born again. So it's calling it evil. And when we mean evil, uh, it we literally could say that if you let your flesh do whatever it wants to do it is it is it is twisted i mean the flesh is perverted um so let's see here go go to uh, well hold hold your place there but let's look at this really quick go back to galatians and very important here galatians talks about fruit and it describes the fruit of the born again the spirit love joy peace patience etc then it describes the fruit of the flesh uh, where is that? That is um, Galatians 5, um, 19. Now the works of the flesh, uh, we could say the lusts of the flesh are evident. What are they? Adultery. You wonder why people, people commit adultery? It's because they inquired of their flesh and went with its suggestion over the spirit. Now we're talking about born again folk here. If you're not born again, th this is just normal stuff. Like, I mean, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, wrath, selfishness, dissension, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Other things that aren't even listed here. If you're not born again, you don't have the wherewithal within to overcome the works of the flesh because you're in a bondage that is subject to the natural reality, the prison of the lust of the natural. But if you're born again, he's saying, look, you've got the wherewithal on the inside of you that you don't have to go with this. You can produce a totally different kind of fruit that is consistent with being a new creation in Christ Jesus. But it doesn't mean, though, that the flesh still won't suggest these things. This is why, this is what Paul was saying in Romans 7. He's saying there's a law here. There's something present. There's a craving within my flesh um, that is contrary to what's coming out of my born-again spirit. It's things that I would have done, used to do, that was part of the reality of living natural lives, of being completely aware of your nakedness, the fallen condition you are without, you do not have, you are not clothed, encapsulated in glory. You are not holy. You are not holy. If you were just in the natural, you were not holy. Your your nakedness was exposed. You were not separate. You were not set apart. You were not clothed in humility. The Bible says you were not clothed in glory. You were fallen. You were in prison. And this is all you knew. Witchcraft, sorcery, fornication, lusts. But now you're born again, but you still have this body. So this is what Paul's saying. Let's go back over there. And he said this in Romans 7, verse 22, For I delight 
in the law of God according to the inward man. Remember, uh, Jesus said that I didn't, I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to do away with the law. You know, when people think of the law, um, they think of a couple different different things. Um, <clears throat> some of them are referring to like the 613 laws. Some people may be referring to the oral laws, which got way off. I mean, some of the oral traditions got crazy. I, I, I mean, uh, you know, <clears throat> if you've watched uh, any of the Chosen series, you can see this tension between the scribes and the Pharisees, the Sadducees, etc. And they were following laws. And Jesus is like, what in the world? Where where, 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 where did you guys get that? <clears throat> like, don't heal anybody on the Sabbath? That was not the spirit of the law. There were things they added to it through the oral tradition. Stuff got handed down and got twisted and got perverted. These were traditions of men. Jesus actually came and substantiated the real law. Uh, Galatians tells us that the law was a tutor. The law was a steward. It was watching over us until we could come to faith. The law is not bad, friends. The law is not bad at all. Jesus fulfilled it. Not only did he fulfill it, he substantiated it. And then where did he write it? He wrote it in the tablets of, of your heart. Some people see the law as just the Ten Commandments written on stone. And that's the reference the Bible uses when he said, I wrote it in the tablets of, of your heart. People look at the Ten Commandments and with such uh, negativity, like, well, I'm under grace. Well, grace doesn't mean that there's not a righteous code. Grace does not mean that you can go sleep with your neighbor's wife. Hello, why don't you try that and see if the law has been done away with? <laughs> don't try that. But you understand what I'm saying? Go murder somebody and see if that law is just done away with. Uh-uh. That law was written on your heart. And in the New Testament, when Jesus said, hey, I give you a new law, and it's the law of love, he did not say that, hey, murder is no longer. He's saying love now takes care of that. Like if you love, you won't even come close to murder. Notice what he said. He said hatred is the same thing as murder. So you understand like when he brought us up, he brought us way up. I mean, way up. We, we didn't understand the concept of love. When we were being tutored and stewarded, we literally had to deal with the hatred in our heart that would cause us to murder somebody you understand how he didn't do away with that, but he just brought us up into a higher place where we say, oh, we realize that love, oh my goodness, yeah. Love so eradicates hatred that we wouldn't even consider murder. So a lot of people have a lot of twisting going on. I mean, they're thinking fornication, adultery, drunkenness, and lewdness, that they're permissible. They're thinking homosexuality is permissible. Homosexuality is a sexual perversion. Included with that is all kinds of sexual deviancy. People are thinking that's okay because we're not under law. We're under grace. Well, I'm telling you, brother, you have got that screwed up, man. And uh, that is a lust of the flesh. And he's saying, look, that's contrary to what's coming out of the inner man because on the tablets of the inner man, and, and there's literally no rock tablets, but you understand what we're saying? Like in the DNA, in your DNA of the born again spirit is written, thou shalt not kill. In the DNA of your spirit, man, in that Zoe life is written, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. 
um, you know, in, in the DNA of that new life in Christ Jesus is the clear understanding and the differentiation of what is perverted versus what is righteous or the right way of doing something. And it is clearly expressed. God's heart of one man, one woman is Christ, the head, our husband, and the body, the ecclesia, as his bride. I I mean, it, it is eternally expressed God's right way of doing things. All these little perversions, and they're creeping into the church. I mean, dude, you talk about some real messed up stuff that you and I are going to have to navigate. Uh, I mean, not in our church. It's not going to happen in our church. But 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 I'm talking about like in the body of Christ. Um, and I mean, it's going to come down to where I I don't even know if it's going to actually be in the body of Christ. Like there there is some really perverted things going on. There's some real twistings of the scripture to make it look like they're right with Christ. But I'm telling you, it's going to be a rude awakening when you realize that he said, I didn't even know you. Like you had this form, but I didn't even know you. Like you've been overcome uh, rather than overcoming the world. The world has overcome you. Like you allowed uh, the lust for the natural to rob you of your spiritual inheritance. He called that the kingdom. He said, some aren't even going to inherit the kingdom because they cannot break away from their lustful craving to the natural realm. Like the spiritual reality means nothing to them. And that's a sad place to be friends. But for you and I, that's not that that's not our heart. You and I are recognizing though that occasionally the flesh will try to have an opinion. But what you and I are coming to understand is that we don't have to allow or we don't even have to invite the flesh to have a voice in the matter. He said, fill up your mind, uh, not on earthly things. He said, think on heavenly things. So we have permission. We have permission that the uh, dictates of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, the suggestions of the flesh, the counsel of the flesh, the opinions of the flesh, the imaginations of the flesh, the thoughts of the flesh, we don't even have to consider them. Like, it's just a no. And he expresses, um, you know, there in Galatians 5, he didn't give us the, uh, you know, it, it wasn't the um, total list because he said, and the like. So there's other things. But but he gave us kind of the, um, he gave us enough to where we can now recognize cravings or desires of the flesh. Now, once once we get a little better at this, once we become a little more proficient, and we are, and we have been, and we're going to go even further, but once we get a little more proficient, we'll begin to recognize this tension. And uh, Paul uh, realized, hey, once I have something that comes, comes up out of my in- inner man, and how would you know it comes up out of your inner man? Well, it doesn't come from out here. It doesn't come from out here. Uh, for lack of a better way of explaining it, it seems like it comes out of your guts. This is why people say, you know, just follow your gut. What are they saying? They're saying follow the innermost part of you, which is what? Your spirit man. Now, your spirit man feels all in all, um, meaning your actual physical form 
uh, is specifically designed to encapsulate your spirit. So your spirit man feels all in all, but in the innermost part of you, like where the heart, the spirit, the heart, the very innermost part of you, uh, the King James used this concept, the bowels, you know, where's that at in your gut? Uh, there's life there, the real use there. And out of that or up from that, things will light up on your mind. Okay. This is the unction. First John two twenty talks about, um, like when God wants to communicate with you, he illuminates your spirit, man. The Bible says that your spirit is the lamp of the Lord. Meaning when he, he communes with you, fellowships with you, talks with you, it's like your spirit man lights up. Like there's a light that comes on because he's lighting up on your inner man. And then your inner man will light up on your mind. And your mind is very important key here because that's where the command and control center is for your physical body. And your mind has to agree with the unction coming up out of your spirit. When you agree with the spirit, then you give movement and motion to your physical body. Now your physical body says, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. It's too early. It's too late. It's too cold. It's too hot. I'm too weak. Uh, I'm sick. I'm not strong enough. I don't have, we don't have enough money. It's whatever. Whenever that argument arises, that's where you, you are becoming proficient is you're not going to stop and entertain the counter argument to what's coming up out of your spirit. You're going to follow your conscience, which is the voice of your spirit. You're going to follow the unction, that which lights upon your mind, not from out here. If it comes from out here and lights upon your mind this way, it could be a thought, idea, suggestion from the devil. It could be a fiery dart, say. It could, it could be something outward, external. He's not leading us externally. That's not the primary way. Uh, I mean, there can be uh, spiritual experiences, uh, an angel, which is a messenger. He could send a messenger. You could see Jesus, the discerning of spirits. But I'm talking about the primary way that he's going to lead you. He's going to light up your spirit. And then your spirit is going to take the lead over the three dimensions of your makeup spirit soul body and so your spirit's going to light up on your mind your mind is going to quickly agree you're not going to continue to develop this habit of disagreeing with your inner man how dumb is that we've all done it but i'm saying if you really think about that wow how stupid stupid is that the only reason why that we have been in a habit of disagreeing with the inner man is because we've been been in more of a habit of agreeing with our natural man, with the dictates, the cravings, the desires, the pointed passions of the flesh. So we're renewing our mind, though, to agree with the unction that comes out of our spirit, man. So uh, our spirit lights upon our mind. It illuminates our understanding as to what the next directive, assignment, instruction, command is. And then our mind, when it agrees with the spirit, then it has no problem at all issuing command to the physical body and subduing the physical body where it's going to carry us on into the doing of what the spirit is saying. Very important here. The Bible says, do not be a hearer only, but a what? A doer, lest you deceive yourself. This is where the mind comes in. You've got to agree with what the word says. Okay, you're getting that unction out of, out of your spirit. Or the, or the Lord's communicating with you. He's lighting up your spirit. He's illuminating your spirit. He's, he's talking to you. Holy Spirit's talking to you. He's fellowshipping with you. 
then your spirit is illuminating your mind and saying, this is what needs to be done. Your mind is quickly agreeing. It's quickly agreeing. It's coming to agreement, which is like an, uh, when, when you agree with the word, you, you allow it. And that's how you prove it. Romans 12, 12, two people say, well, I don't know how to prove God's will. Well, you haven't agreed with it yet. And until you agree with it, you're not going to give movement to it. You're not going to actually take the risks associated with experiencing something supernatural. Uh, some people, like, they they say they, it's like mental agreement, but your physical body has not moved. Like, you've not stepped out and actually walked it out. There, there There's no work associated with your faith, and so therefore your faith is dead. And so um, because your faith is dead, you're not proving anything. In order to prove it, you've got to actually follow through with the command or the instruction or the enlightenment that's come up out of your spirit. Like, for example, if the Lord says in your inner man, he said, I want you to give, give that person $20. And you're like, eh, eh. well, see, you're wrestling with agreeing. Well, why? Because your flesh says, oh, man, you know what? We were going to get pizza with that. Or, you know, we were going to go to the arcade or, you know, I really wanted to do this or I wanted to go watch that movie. You know, whatever, some flesh, flesh, carnal flesh, natural, feel good, make me feel good, um, pacify me, make me feel good, make me feel good. And so there's already, you know, you're struggling because you're struggling agreeing with it. This is what's going on in the mind. Well, you know, I'm tired. But you feel like the Lord said, I want you to get up, go over here, and your flesh is going, man, that's really inconvenient. But you feel like the Lord told you to do this, but your flesh is saying, man, you know, we were going to, you know, spend that money on ourselves. Uh, but you feel like the Holy Spirit's telling you to do something. So first of all, you've got to agree with the Spirit. And then secondly, when you agree, then your mind says, hey, I'm agreeing with the Lord here. You're getting up and going over there. And your flesh may say, man, are you sure? Man, you your knees were hurting. Are you sure? Boy, man, your muscles are sore. I mean, the flesh will come up with all kinds of things to pacify itself and to protect itself in its comforts, in its cravings, and it will fight against you. It will militate. It will be contrary to the spirit. But listen, once your mind agrees with the spirit, you already have the upper hand because now what you do is then you subdue that body and you say, you're not going to talk back to me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh you know, you're not going to say, hey, look, uh, that's not the truth. The Lord told us to do this, and we're going in the name of Jesus. And so, you know what? You subdue that flesh. You put under the counter argument, and then you get up and you go over and you obey God. You obey God. When you get your body in connection to uh, the word of the Lord, then you actually do what James is saying is you've become a doer and not a hearer only, and you are not in deception. Everything's in the proper order. Spirit leading, uh, your soul part of you is serving the spirit, and then the physical part of you becomes really the slave. It's going to do exactly what it's told to do. It has to because I have to interact with this realm, and that's how I do that out of the body is to be present with the Lord, I can't put this body on the side and let it do whatever it wants to do. It has to obey me. It has to carry me around. It is my hands and feet. It has to do what it's told to do. And, you know, you wonder why uh, you're not 
you're not where you want to be. It's because in, at the end of the day, it's not that you didn't have the leading. At the end of the day, it's not that you didn't have revelation. At the end of the day, it's not that you did not have the word of the Lord. You had all that. But if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, it's because you let the flesh dictate to you based on its comforts what you were going to do. And you are literally in that Romans 7, Galatians 5, you're not doing what, what you want to do. And you know it. I know it. Like you can't escape that. You are a spirit soul body. It's it's you, but you but Paul said there's these laws that are associated here and, and you've got to get them in the right order. People are not doing what they want to do because they have entertained too much of the comforts of the flesh and the flesh never. Let me just tell you this, the flesh will never agree. Like if you're waiting, well, you know, I don't want to be so hard on the flesh. Let me give it time. Uh, let me, let me give the flesh time and it'll, it'll come around. It won't. And it never will. Hallelujah. Look at Romans, go back to Romans and we'll kind of wrap it up here. Oh, let's see here. Romans eight, five. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. What's he saying there? You're agreeing with the dictates of the flesh. Do not. Uh, pro tip, pro spiritual tip, do not agree with the dictates of your flesh. Your flesh will always be too tired. It will always be too weak. It will always be too sick. It will always be too poor. It will always be, always be, always be. Because the flesh only filters everything through its own comfort. So nothing makes sense to the flesh. Uh, every, every, obeying God is always too expensive. You, uh, it will always say, we don't have enough because it's reserving everything for itself. It will always say, I don't have enough energy because it reserves everything for itself. It will never agree because the flesh only knows its own cravings. It, it, it can't even process. It, First Corinthians says that it doesn't have the faculties. It has no mental capacity to understand obeying spiritual unction. It, it, it's, it's not alive to the spirit it's only being told what you tell it and you but the spirit your spirit is alive unto god your flesh isn't but it has it has cravings and it, it doesn't even consider obeying god it wants to lust is what it wants to do it wants to crave natural it's fully aware of its nakedness and enjoys it if you understand that so he says for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. What's the difference between, um, you know, um, whoever you think is doing it versus whoever you think isn't it? Isn't, you know, living the spiritual life? You know, miracles, signs, wonders, demonstrations. Well, of course, you know, the Bible says don't compare, but but the simple answer to that is the only difference according to the scripture is somebody has refused to put their mind and agreement on fleshy desires and carnal appetites they have disciplined that part of them has restricted having the flesh as a council member and has decided to put their mind to fill their mind up on the things of the spirit and I'm telling you, it's a powerful agreement when you get your mind to agree with the unction coming out of your spirit. And then you turn to the flesh and says, you know what? You're going to do whatever I tell you to. You, 
you have no input, you're going to carry me where I need to go. You're going to hand that $20 to whoever I tell you to. You are going to fast and pray whenever I tell you to. You are going to get up and go serve whenever I tell you to. You are going to wake up early and you're going to stay up late and you're going to study the scriptures and pray in tongues when I tell you to. You are not going to tell me when, uh, uh, you know, how I'm going to obey God. This is a conversation you have with, with the flesh. And you, you wonder, why are these other people so special? They're not. They've just disciplined the flesh. Remember what um, in James, remember what James said about Elijah? He was a man that lived in flesh just like you. He had passions just like you. What was the difference? What's the difference between Elijah and you? He didn't allow that flesh to dictate. He didn't let the flesh have a place at the table of counsel and get him off course contrary to spiritual things because the flesh doesn't desire that. Listen, everybody has flesh and everybody's flesh does not desire what they're doing spiritually. The difference is they've they've stopped entertaining, they've stopped meditating on how cold, how hot, how tired, how hungry, this, they're without, it's inconvenient. Oh, I'm embarrassed. I'm shy. That's the flesh. That's the flesh. Verse six, Romans eight, six, for to be carnally, carne, flesh, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse seven, why? The carnal mind is enmity against God. Now, I don't know how clear, how, how more clear uh, the Bible can be than to say that whatever originates out of the flesh is going to put you at odds against God. And you say, well, what is the short list that I need to be aware of? Fornication, adultery, murder, drunkenness, revelry, strife, lying, arguments. That's, Galatians gives you the short list. That's things that the flesh desires. Everybody, everybody's flesh desires that. The difference is who has disciplined that? Who has put that under? Who has renewed their mind to stop agreeing every time the flesh has a little pity party? People who have become proficient at casting down counter arguments, whether they come from out here, you know, like a, a suggestion from the devil, or they come from the flesh. Oh, I'm tired today. Well, get up, suck it up. We got things to do. The Lord said to go here, do that, see them, call them. Now, I am not where I want to be. Uh, just being honest. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you, uh, I am not where I'm going to be either. And so this is something that we have to um, give ourselves to, diligent development of. Developing our spirit to where that is the dominant influence in our life. Renewing our mind to quickly agree with the unction coming up out of our spirit and recognizing that the flesh will always, and don't allow it to seduce you. It'll, it, it, it'll, it'll try and talk you in to taking the, um, the uh, quote-unquote easy way according to the flesh. Listen, Jesus said his burden is light and easy. The flesh doesn't agree with that, though. The flesh thinks anything, anything at all that is not self-centered, self-focused, self-fulfilling 
is too hard, too whatever. And it, 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 it just doesn't want it. It doesn't even understand it. Why in the world would you give somebody 20 bucks? The, I mean, your own flesh will never understand that. So stop asking for its opinion. All right, friends. I think that's going to wrap it up for, for today. I hope you got something out of that. And uh, But listen, I pray right now, and I'm coming to agreement with you that you're becoming proficient. You're, you're developing your spirit. That's you. You're developing you. You are going to be the dominant factor in your life. You, your spirit man, the unction, Holy Ghost working with you, in you. He's dwelling in you. That, that spiritual reality is going to be the dominant one in your life. Hallelujah. You tell yourself, all right, flesh, your days of control are over. I fire you in the name of Jesus. Now take your place. That's a low place. And your body is going to help you. You can't get rid of it. But you're going to tell it that it's going to serve you. It's going to serve the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. Well, hey, if we can help you in anything, it'd be our honor to do that. If you need some prayer support, you can send us an email, hello at gracecitychurch.tv or call us 870-741-9099 and we'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. Hallelujah. Let us know what what's up. You're not alone. Thank you, Lord, for, for that. Also, I uh, want to give a big shout out to those who have uh, committed to pray for the podcast. Like in my opening, I, I was like, man, thank you because tremendous power is being made available and listen, friends, I am I'm thrilled that we get to work together like this. So um, thank you so much. And, I, and I'm asking, maybe you're new to the podcast. I'm asking that you would partner with us in prayer. Hallelujah. Would you pray for us? There are some others that have uh, gone on and started to financially contribute as well. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. That is so helpful. I'm telling you, we don't even worry about it because money's come in to pay for this and um, you know, some extras come in. We've upgraded some of our equipment. I'm telling you, we're so thankful, friends, for your financial support and contribution. If you'd like to participate in that way, several ways that you can do that. You can go to the website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give. Or if you're in the United States, you can text to give 84321. That's 84321. Just follow the prompts. Or you can mail a check, P.O. Box 7, Harrison, Arkansas, 7260 All right, friends, thank you so much for joining me. This has been the Grace for This City podcast. And until next time, be blessed.